You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. You're going to see your one guy, you're like, dang, he, he ran that all the way? Sprinted? Okay, I'll see you. But then you'll see the other guy and be like, ah, I stepped up, got to take a break. I'm, well, that's I'm us. going to go. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I can't even make it up three steps in my condo without having to take a break. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out. And they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Oh, we got a fun episode today. We're going to be hearing from Oz Davis from Rouge, White, and Blue. He's also got a new podcast project called Truly the Goats. We'll be talking to him. We'll also be talking to Justin Renfro, one of the newest signings of the Edmonton Eskimos. Spent time with the Stampeders and last season played about half of the year with the BC Lions. Ty, I want to bring this up with you. You've been watching Prices Right on the daily and it's getting a bit awkward. Um... I, awkward yes that would that'd be a good word to use uh <laughs> <laughs> i didn't watch today but i did see it on twitter they gave away a trip on a show i don't know if it was a showcase or if it was just the front row contestant stuff to game four of the stanley cup finals this year oh <laughs> i know it's taped i know it's taped but it's still a tough look and i i roared so get this Every December, my radio station gives away beat-the-box-office tickets to every concert for the following year to somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, this person is a diehard listener of the station, been trying to win it for seven years. This is the year they won it. <laughs> you guys have to, like, the, you can't. <laughs> Just say too bad. Like you have to let them do it next year. That's above my pay grade, but we'll see if we can help them out in the in the coming years. Oh. But that is a tough break. That, yeah, it's, that's a tough one. Before we get to the news, got to let you know that this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Back to School Again, a podcast about midlife learners. The next season dives into the power of online learning. Let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Katrina Ingram. I'm working on a special three-part mini-series of the Back to School Again podcast in partnership with Athabasca University, which highlights the power of online learning. We'll talk about how the internet has transformed education, the role of micro-learning and micro-credentialing, and an exciting new offering called PowerEd. I've just completed the PowerEd course, Machine Learning for Competitive Advantage, and I'll share some of the cool things I've learned about how artificial intelligence is shaping our world and how to apply machine learning to solve business problems. The series launches in April, but you can subscribe now at backtoschoolagain.ca. Hope you'll join us. Find Back to School Again on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at backtoschoolagain.ca. That's back to school again. .ca. In the huddle with Karan Todd on the Two and Out podcast. All right, there's not really much going on. We we know that, but in the last week, we did learn that the XFL has gone bankrupt. No plans to return in 2021, and uh, apparently it's up for sale. I don't know if they're going to have any luck selling it, uh, but we have heard that Armani Edwards has signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. SJ Green and Derek Dennis are still out there. I don't know how many more signings we can expect, but I, I actually did think the XFL had something there. It looks like they were prepared to lose money for the next three or four years, but the world is just changing, man. It's It's mm-hmm. crazy. Oh, and I think they were prepared to lose money, but at the same time, there was a plan in place where they would only lose so much, and this just changes everything. And, you know, Vince McMahon didn't get to where he is by making terrible business decisions. Yeah. Except for the original XFL. But, <laughs> you know, it it's just, 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to cheer because it failed. I I mean, it was, I, I watched a little bit of it. It, it. It's hard. Like the, the market's already so saturated. I don't know if I want football all year long. Like that gets to be a little much, uh, but I, I don't think that it was going to fail as quickly as it did. I don't know if it was going to fail or not, but I didn't. I saw it at least, you know, going a year or two because of the deep pockets. Uh, but the, the whole pandemic thing really throws a, a wrench into things. Um, and as for Armani Edwards signing with the Eskimos, uh, is it this year that teams are only allowed to dress two quarterbacks? Yeah, they were going to put that into this season. Yeah. So there you go. Armani Edwards is the de facto third string quarterback in Edmonton. <laughs> that, that's pretty smart there. Um, and I, I think it just, it's a testament to the CFL, the fact that it's been able to last this long. And mm-hmm. um, there are sort of rumblings that the college football season next year in the States could be in the spring. So if that happens, the XFL would just have no chance to no. Uh, compete with okay. that. We we saw that with the American expansion where, you know, they had TV contracts and stuff up until college football started, and then they were out. You're, you're not going up against another league. You're not going up against a sport. You're going up against a way of life at that point down in the States. NCAA just trumps everything else, it seems. NFL running back Brandon Oliver has signed with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and Liram Hiralahu signed with the L.A. Rams. It should be pretty fun to see how NFL announcers get used to pronouncing his name. <laughs> Poor Joe Buck. Yeah. He, goes, he goes from having to say, aha, Clinton dicks every yeah. week because it seems that the Packers always played a Joe Buck game, and now he's got to go. He goes from that to Hawralahu. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, it, it'll be it'll be a little better than him having you know people send him sex tapes to do play by play on. We now know that the CFL season won't start until at least July. Many cities canceling uh, all public gatherings until the end of June. Quebec has canceled gatherings through the end of August. I, I think Labor Day might be the optimistic one here. And w- what I'm kind of worried about, Ty, is. Uh, guys like John Bowman, he said he will have played his last game in the CFL if there's no season in 2020. And I'm kind of wondering if that's going to be the case for a, a few vets in the CFL. You know, yeah, it takes it takes a toll on your body. So for them even to think about playing another year, it, it, it takes a lot. Uh, but once you get away from it and, you know, you're not getting beat up every day uh, and, you know, you're not in football shape per se to come back, uh, especially, I don't want to call John Bowman old, but he is older than your average CFL player. Uh, for them to get back into shape and start taking bumps again, uh, that'd be a huge, a huge task to undertake. And I, it just makes sense that if there is no football this year, that these guys don't come back because they will be that much further behind. If you are missing football right now, TSN is playing classic CFL games every Friday. Stamps fans should probably look away because uh, this week is Ricky Ray week and the 100th Grey Cup will be playing followed by the 105th Grey Cup. I'm sure painful, painful memories for Calgary fans. (laughs) I can't wait for Friday now. I'm so excited. Let's bring a former Calgary Stampeder, current Edmonton Eskimo offensive lineman, Justin Renfro, to the show. Are, are you back home? Because uh, 403 is a Calgary number. Yeah, so I usually stay year-round. So literally when COVID hit, I actually had come home for my mom's uh, 60th birthday. Oh, wow. And then her party got canceled because that was the Saturday. Basically, the world shut down. Right. So her party got canceled. I was able to we were able to get a last stitch, go out dinner, and then the world shut down on Sunday. And so, man, it's it's been a wild, I guess, almost a month now, somewhere around a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you've got a cool uh, initiative going on right now. But before we get to that, and I want to rewind a little bit, if that's cool, about your time before yeah. the CFL. Uh, okay, yeah. Born in Philly, I, I got to yeah. ask some advice. If we ever get down there, where should our first thought be for Philly cheesesteak? <laughs> okay, so don't. You can you can go take a you can go take a picture in front of Pat's and Gino so you could tell everybody you saw it, you right. saw the two lines. But you need to go to West Philly, hit gym, and you need to go uh, right by my uh, high school, the William Penn Charter School. They're actually right across the street from each other, Della Sandro's and Chubby's. Della Sandro's doesn't do French fries; they just do steaks and the chips, and then Chubby's does the steaks with the fries. And what I always do, I always tell people to go eat half from each. And I always like, I always like, I always, I always chose Chubby's because they had the fries. Okay, yeah. <laughs> where you, where you got a lot of your older, your older folks like my pops. My pops will be, my pops will tell you Delisandro's get you some good hers chips with it. But I like Chubby's fried onion, mushrooms with the ketchup and mayo. And the fries. Yeah, clearly you're an expert in this category. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, I've been. That's everybody's question whenever they're coming to Philly. So I always have that ready. And my dad actually opened a cheesesteak shop. Oh, nice. in Virginia. Yeah. Philly has a certain. I don't know what the word would be. A certain way that, especially the sports fans in that city act. Uh, I mean, they get the rep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but there's the, the rep there, but I mean, evil and all that. But you got to look at those years, I feel like. When you look at now, like, it's a it's a blue-collar team from a blue-collar mm-hmm. city, you know, and everybody's hardworking, and most people are passionate. Like, you'll, you'll get your mix of random Cowboys fans that live up here and whatnot, but for the majority – of the city, everybody's Eagles fans been it for their whole life. So for me, especially when they just won, it was great because I also had some college teammates and friends on that Eagles team. So to be able to see them kind of bring it home with guys I went to school with was pretty good. Like uh, Chris Long, Rodney McLeod, some guys I went to Virginia with. So that's just it was. That's a it's it's a good city. I. You know, uh, even talking to Alex Singleton, who's now here, we played together in Calgary. He loves being in Philly. So I think once you, uh, if you, if you keep the fans happy and you win games, they're probably the best. I would think they're probably some of the best in the world and definitely some of the most passionate. With the rep that Philly does have being blue collar and just the way that it's portrayed on TV when we do watch sports and stuff that happens there. Uh, do people that live in Philly and are from Philly grew up there, do they hate the tourists that run up the steps and pretend that they're Rocky? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's for me, especially cause I went to, I, I live in the suburbs, but we, I draw, I had to drive the hour to middle school and high school down there and kind of, you know, it's, I think it's always funny to see, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> and now, mm. and now like, I'm, I've gone to different places, and people send me their pictures when they go. Uh, it's def- I think it's entertaining, especially when you see the people who have to take the break and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best part. You know, cause, uh, when you're driving, like if you're driving to get on 76, or you're gonna go get on the, uh, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go head from downtown from the other side of the city, you ride past there. So sometimes you can get caught at that light that's right there, and you might be sitting there for five minutes. And especially <laughs> on a nice summer day, you're gonna you're gonna see your one guy. You're like, hey, he he ran that all the way, sprinted. Okay, I see you. But then you'll see the other guy and be like, ah, five steps up, gotta take a break. I well, that's us. Gonna go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So. I can't even make it up three steps in my condo without having to take a break. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's always fun. You you mentioned the Eagles. Uh, you 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 were a big fan growing up, I assume. Yep, I, uh, me and my parents. We uh, the last time they made the Super Bowl run, we went to the home game, and we even went to the NFC Championship in St. Louis. So nice. I have those pictures oh, nice. still hanging up downstairs of all three of us outside of the NFC Championship. And my dad actually pointed it out. He's like, 
when I played on the Seahawks and we went to the Super Bowl, he was like, the last time we were at a Super Bowl in the NFC Championship was when we went to watch the Eagles. Now we watch you. So it was pretty cool, cool to kind of see all that stuff uh, come full circle in life, you know? Was there a player on, on those teams when you were younger, or was it somebody in your family who inspired you to get into football, or did it just seem like a natural fit? Well, uh, the area, the suburb I moved to once I got to the uh, once I got to kindergarten is the Yardley Marshville area, and Troy Vincent is actually from this area and then nice. lived there. So he was a famous defensive back. I'm sure all of you have heard of him. And so he, his kids were – couple grades behind me as well and uh so you know i always rooted for him and then brian dawkins i don't know why oh i just i love brian dawkins and then also like i wasn't even a i wasn't even an o-lineman at that point but man trey thomas i would always be like i'm gonna look big like him when i'm on the field and that's that's what i would always tell my dad and i think i'm getting close to that i got the dark visor i got the arm brace going so yeah, it's pretty. It was it was a lot of talent though going through there, and you know, as I got older, you know, being on the Cardinals, got to meet Donovan McNabb and see cool. guys like that. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a lot of good names coming through Philly. You went to the second best university in Florida. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the year, I guess. I'll give you that. It depends on the year. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. Um, and and you mentioned that you weren't even playing O line yet uh, at one point. Like, when did you finally settle in as an offensive lineman, or, or decide that that's where you wanted to be, or was it coaching that kind of moved you there? Well, I never got the decision. The Seahawks just—I came in. I actually tell people this story all the time. I thought I was cut. Oh wow! I was a I was a D lineman. And, you know, I came in the next day. I, I believe so. All, when you're defense, you have white jerseys. And then when you're offense, you have blue jerseys. So I had a white jersey for the first probably two weeks. And then right before the Super Bowl, they're like, in preparation for next year, we're going to uh, make a move. Obviously, once I went upstairs, but when I walked into I walked into the locker room, all of a sudden, middle, middle of NFC Championship week, I got a, I have a, a blue jersey now. Whoa. So I, and then they, they go, uh, can you come upstairs with us? but you can leave your iPad. And when he told me to leave my iPad, I was like, okay. So now this is getting even weirder. <laughs> no, I'm not getting cut because they told me to leave the iPad. And I think that was, he could see the nervousness on my face. So he told me to leave my iPad. And then I went up and uh, Tom Cable at the time was the O-line coach. He said, you make plays on defense, but you could be special at O-line. And that was pretty much how it went. Okay. And I was the O-lineman and, uh, from there, I bounced around a little bit because I, I was learning on the fly. You know, I'm, I'm trying to block. Like my first reps as a O lineman were against Julius Peppers, Clay Ooh. Matthews, and Bruce Irving. <laughs> like those were the three between the Packers and Seahawks. I literally my first three weeks of reps were against wow. those three. And I remember Bruce Irving just taking off a couple times. I didn't even know how to kick set. And so I, I said, I'm going to just run and get it. And so, and the coach was like, man, I've never seen anybody do that, but you blocked them. And they were like, we could work with you if you can do that. And so it kind of grew from there. And then uh, I think I finally settled in as an O-lineman, though, in Calgary, learning under Pat for a full year. Like, I cleaned up on a lot of just inexperienced stuff. Haven't I hadn't been in those situations. I mean, I literally have played defensive line, tight end, or wide receiver my whole life. What did you know about the CFL before you got to Calgary? Um, I asked all honestly. I knew a good deal because of Dontrell Inman. He's a close friend of mine. Oh, cool. And then um, also, unfortunately, Mylon Hicks. He was my he was my roommate. Uh, oh. He's passed away, obviously, but he was my roommate uh, for the 49ers. So we spent a whole spring and a whole summer together, and then we played in the de- developmental league in New York together. And then I got picked up. That's after after playing there, I got picked up and did my kind of tour with Dallas and the Bills, and he came up to Calgary. So we were 
staying in uh, communication. I actually talked to him the week before everything happened on his end uh, and his death. Uh, I had actually just talked to him, and I was making plans to try to come see him during we had some off time coming in the NFL. And then, you know, uh, yeah, things took their turns. You know, I ended up, and it's like crazy how life works, but, you know, I talked to him that week. I literally talked to him the day before I tore my foot on the Bills. And then that okay. kind of ended my NFL career. That ended my NFL career. And the first team to call was Calgary. And for me, that's what gave me the – that's what made me decide to go there. Because I was I was at a point where am I going to play? Am I going to keep chasing this? And then literally before my last game, the last person I talked to, his team comes calling for me. And so I took that as a sign and, you know, and – kind of ran with it from there i think hearing you talk it, it just shows that the football world is kind of a small world um and I, I know that calgary traded you to bc last year but what did that time there do for your career because it seems like players just love it love it there and i i can see why they're, they're always a good team but what is it about calgary in that organization uh, you know, I, and this is the – I tell people this a lot. The only other place I've been that's felt like that so far has been Seattle. And it's – when you're a championship team and a tra- championship program, you're brothers. And you're every sense of that. You, in Calgary, like, we do things together. And that's that's what I've noticed in other teams. But I've, we haven't been together in Edmonton but and stepped on the field yet together. But, I mean, I'm, I talk to Trevor. I talk to Shaq. And it, I'm kind of seeing that brotherhood with some guys I'm going to be on the offense with hopefully sooner rather than later with all this COVID stuff. But, yeah, yeah that's a big thing in Calgary is uh, being brothers and it's actually a family, you know. I And then, like, also, like, every they try to help you out and everything. Like, I volunteered coach. Uh, I helped coach Dave Dickinson's son's team uh, sometimes during the week. Oh, cool. Along with the other team I coach, uh, you know, O-line coach Pat Delmonico, he has us over his house for for meals. Uh, and, you know, he, him and his wife make great Italian meals for us. Nice. And, you know, things like that you can't replace. And especially, like, a guy like me, I'm all the way from the East Coast. And, you know, you, you get your parents get to come see you, but every day I'm with these people and, you know, to walk in and, you know, feel loved and feel like somebody cares for you, you know, it it goes a long way. And, you know, I feel like I feel like that's what shows on the field. Like, honestly, when I was in Calgary, I would run through a big brick wall for that coaching staff because they, they've done things and put themselves out on the line for me. And so I think you see that on the field. And especially when you've been around like this, me, I'm going into my seventh year pro. When you've been around a lot of teams and a lot of organizations, you can see the specialness, and that's definitely there. And it's a great city, too. I mean, every I still talk to a lot of people from the city. I got to know a lot of people through my community service, so helping out all those different organizations. Like, I was talking to some of the kids I used to coach, just telling them, hey, hope you're staying safe, making sure they being smart and you know just building those relationships like every time i go to calgary i got these handful of people to go see even yeah. this year between going back for the gray cup and then going back uh around christmas time every day i mean i i'm just going to the grocery store and people coming up to me i literally had somebody come up to me every day i went out somewhere and he's like wow justin renfro we miss you thank you for everything you did blah, 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 we didn't get to see you before you left. And so to go back at the end of the whole season and people still remember, oh, you got traded, but we miss you, it says a lot. So I think that can't be replaced in in the actual football program and then off the off the field as well. You said you're going into your seventh year pro, and I've talked to players before. They, they take certain things uh, seriously that I think uh, some people might laugh at, like the jersey number and things like that. I noticed that the CFL website has you listed at six foot four, and Wikipedia has you at six foot six. Yeah. What are you at? Because I, I think I've seen you at the Great no. Cup. I'd say you're closer to six six. <laughs> yeah, I actually. 
me and my mom were just actually talking about this because uh, uh, I now because I the the uh, downstairs I actually just knocked the light bulb out in the kitchen because oh. I hit my head on the kitchen light. <laughs> I was like, she was like, oh, you must have grew a little bit. So I was like, maybe, but yeah, you know, I always I've always said I was six five, and with my cleats on, I'm six six. Okay. And that, that's I think that's where the fluctuations come from but you know also got those official those official nfl uh pro day numbers where they try to smush your neck in too so, oh they do you know, <laughs> yeah that i've been man that that uh pro day kind of testing and all that man that's that's a sight to see if you guys can get to a college and yeah. see that one time you would you'd be like wow i didn't i thought they just came and ran 40s and benched <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I think we'll tell Eskimo fans that you're six foot seven, and I think they'll be <laughs> excited uh, for when you get yeah. to suit up wearing green and gold. Uh, a month yeah. from about almost today, training camp was supposed to start. Doesn't look like we're going to have games until late in the summer at the earliest. How has the pandemic changed your regimen to get ready for the season? Uh shoot, man, it's. Uh... It's definitely been a pretty big adjustment. Uh, you know, coming home, I would. So I had the plan to be in. I, I'm. I was supposed to be back in Edmonton two weeks ago. Okay. I, yeah. I had. Uh, I was. And then I like. I always. I always like to be around my team, the coaches, the city. And so I was planning to be there. Uh, I was working out with Brad at each gym that's out there. I had gotten, I got a week or two in with him and, uh, you know, and I was working with the training staff, kind of just getting everything ready for the season. So it went from, you know, kind of boom, my off season's laid out, going to get some community stuff going, try to help some kids in Edmonton as well. And I'm trying to launch a, a program with the juvenile detention center there as well. So I was kind of had everything planned out to, hey, work out, get your stuff going, be ready for the season, be comfortable. So now I came home, and then it was like, okay, we're home. We might be home for a little bit, but I'll just work out at my home gym to then everything shut down. So I actually had to – I reached out to – it's uh, R3 Bar is the company, and they, uh, they've made a bar that has bands connected to it, and so – I kind of used that as my coping mechanism, as you could say, to cope with uh, to cope with this COVID, and uh, kind of use that to get uh, get out of the house is one thing, to get some yeah. fresh air. So I've been doing all my lifts using that, but also just uh, trying to keep myself and try to keep most of the muscle and stay in shape, you know. But lucky for me, like there, my middle school is right down the street football field line the lines are because they use the line they use that line dye lining stuff still it's okay. not a turf field so it, that stuff's burnt in the grass so i can still get my yard markers in and so you know i just i got uh have brat between brad at eats and then my home gym gym of test uh test football we uh they've been giving me running and uh and lifting workouts and kind of how to adjust them using bands in this bar and uh i feel like i'm keeping pretty good on top of it you know the run i know my running's definitely not slacking because I, I still got a hundred yard football field to run on yeah it's just <laughs> it's just it's just you know you know might be missing a little bit strength wise but we'll we'll get time to get that done so i'm not it's it's an adjustment but it still can be done and it's really just i think it just it's just another thing that will separate the people who really want it versus the people who don't. And that's that's how I always look at things. It's just another obstacle to get to your goal, nothing else. One of the reasons that we wanted to talk to you this week uh, is because of a cool initiative that you're part of right now. Uh, first, what inspired you to get your nonprofit organization, uh, JR Football, started? Um, well, that that's, again, speaking on the city of Calgary and, I started out there. I just uh, had extra time and, you know, wanted to wanted to help out. And, you know, I got the uh, I got the chance to coach the 
Calgary Bantam Stampeders, which is the the younger team in the CBFA. Uh, And so I coached them. And, you know, from there, I started helping out a few guys on the team, giving people rides. Uh, We ended up that year, which was great for – it was great for, I guess, our city. Uh, We know, obviously, we won the Grey Cup, but then the team I was coaching also won the Provincial Championship. Nice. uh, it was, from there, you know, uh, kind of other organizations started saying, hey, would you mind helping our kids? Because I guess kids from the football team had started talking to their schools and telling them about their coach from the Stampeders. And schools started reaching out to me, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club, Special Olympics Alberta. And pretty much everybody who comes and asked me to do something, if it's to help some kids, I just pretty much say yes. If I can make it and we don't have practice or a game, I pretty mu- I'm pretty much there. And so it really started out as me just trying to see if I wanted to be a coach. That's honestly why I was doing it. I was seeing, hey, do you really want to coach when you're done? Like, put in these hours and all that. So it started out as that, and then I just started helping people. And so it's, it's just been uh, – it's something that was instilled in me from my parents and then also the private school I went to where we had to, every Friday we went and volunteered at an old folks home. And then that grew into college, uh, in the summers I would coach camps. And then I actually, uh, took on a mission with my, uh, my college church group, uh, the F it's the FCA through a football team where we actually, go to a camp with kids who have AIDS and we play, we just play with them. And awesome. like for me, that stuck with me forever because to have a little kid tell me I'm the first person at eight years old outside their parents to play with them, that wow. was crazy. So, you know, that's kind of stuck with me. And, I and you know, just people see me and get such a smile and think it's the greatest thing. And I'm like, Hey, I'm just like you, but mm-hmm. if it, if that helps their day, it helps their day. But, you know, I go sit with people and we talk about Xbox and everything else, just like I'm a normal person. So I just feel like me just being a person and giving my time is the least I could do for everything I've been blessed with in my life. So. I, I know there are a few frontline heroes that listen to this show, and there are even more people that know uh, people working on the front line. Uh, talk yeah, about just send them our way. Yeah. yeah, talk about this cool initiative you have going on to show these people uh, a token of appreciation. Uh, yeah, I've uh, partnered uh, with OKE. Uh, they're a boxer company, and you know, people on the front lines right now, we know they're they're. Uh, I mean, they're working the crazy hours. Yeah, they're shredded pretty thin. Yeah. They're shredded. So they came up with a good idea to uh, to get these people, like nominated people, and they're going to give away some boxers. And I was like, okay, if you guys do that, and then and then I hopped on. I said, I'll I'll get some JR masks because they need masks too. And yeah. There's a shortage in masks, so I added the mask, and then my local my local pizza place actually saw the initiative, and now. For the the nominee, I guess for this area, they've added on a twenty five dollar gift certificate to the pizza shop. Cool. So we really, it's just you know, uh, these people are out here doing their service. I mean, they they, I mean, everybody's like they signed up for this, but they're still risking their life every day. So just a way to show some appreciation and also to try to keep them safe while they're serving all of us. Just trying to get people nominated but also the biggest thing for me i think in this is i want people to tag up tag me tag uh okay apparel uh and i and let us know like i want to know and then like i uh we had a couple people and i went to their profiles found pictures of them working and i put them on my instagram story and i want people to know who who the different people are that are helping us you know, uh, I had a young man, I believe his name was Michael. He just graduated from UBC Medical School, I think, last year. Now he's all the, now he's already already on the East Coast helping people in the front, front wow. lines of this disease right now. So, you know, stories like that, you know, basically think about me. I And I thought of it in the football terms. I'm like, that's basically like me. I graduated college, and then my rookie year, I'm in a Super Bowl. So he's in his right. Super Bowl already. 
Right. So that those are the type of people I just want to hear about those people, and I want other people to hear about them, and you know, be appreciative of who's out there risking their lives, and you know, and that's pretty much what it is. And you know, it's all all we're asking is, hey, just put a couple ads and write us and tell us about somebody you know. Uh, nothing, nothing more. You know, all of us are stuck in the house all day, so it doesn't take too much more than that. So is the best way to connect with you on Instagram then for this and maybe just yeah. for anything else? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Instagram, uh, J.Renfro. And then also for all this, though, that's my personal one, but for all this, at JRFootball underscore, and that's where I, well, we prefer and uh, OKE dot apparel. Uh, uh, tag both of us and let us know who – your hero is story. You could post it. Uh, you could post it on your feed. You could post it in a story anywhere. It just kind of let us know who, who you think's a frontline hero, who deserves some boxers and some masks. And, uh, we'll, I guess we'll, I don't know how many people we're picking, but we're going to pick a good amount and, nice. uh, kind of just say thank you to people all over the U S and Canada too. I should have added that. It's, uh, we're looking for Canadians and Americans. So, yeah, it's uh, just trying to say thank you in a special way pretty much is all it boils down to. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show and talk to us. You did mention Xbox. Is there an Xbox gamer tag? What are you playing? <laughs> uh, right now, I've been, like, I just got done. I've uh, I've really been playing heavy NBA 2K with my son. Cool. So, yeah, we... Uh, we we built him a my player and all that, so we're uh, we're doing the my player neighborhood heavy right now, and then also Madden, and then that uh, that Call of Duty Warzone came out. I've been hopping on with a lot of my co- college buddies on there, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, if you anybody wants to add, I, I'm down to play with anybody. It's uh, Rockstar Rennie five four, and that's Rockstar, and then Rennie is R E N N Y fifty four. Yeah, if anybody wants to hop on Xbox or I believe Warzone is cross platform, so cool. any any platform you're on, if you want to play, let me know. Awesome. And you could also DM me on Instagram, and I'm I'm around at least an hour every day. I I try to get on. Me and my son at least get on and play uh, in the neighborhood. So yeah, awesome. Hey, thanks for talking to us, and we hope to see you on the field soon. Okay. All right, thanks for having me, and I hope we can all get back out there and play football soon. Thank you so much to Justin for coming onto the show. He's just such a such a great guy. A lot of cool things going on. I really hope that. Uh, things get figured out sooner rather than later because he, he's a good guy to have in our communities and uh, football teams here in Canada, Ty. And, you know, he, we always talk about how, especially in the CFL, players are always seem to be a huge part of the community, and yeah. that was just further proof uh, of that. Uh, you know, in Calgary especially, uh, you know, he's basically coaching, what, like eight different teams and That's cool. helping out every every kid that asks and – yeah, it's just nuts uh, the amount of work that, that these guys do, not only on the field, but just off the field inside the community. Before we talk to Oz Davis, got to talk about Pod Power. And with Pod Power, ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, we're giving a Pod Power shout out to Book Women. Uh, it is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Hosts Tanya Ball, Sheila LaRock, and Kayla Larson are three Métis librarians representing nations from across the homeland. Now they have banded together to chat books, culture, and anything else that comes up. Book Women was recently added to Cowboy and Indians podcast incubator program for emerging voices that contribute positively to the Indigenous podcasting space. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca that is bookwomenpodcast.ca joining the show now is oz davis from the rouge white and blue podcast but he also has a new project on the go 
Truly the Goats, uh, a sports history podcast um, talking about, yeah, what it is, the greatest of all time. Oz, just give us the rundown on how this whole project came to be, because I, I love the idea. Well, in a lot of ways for me, this is this is kind of the culmination of you know, my entire adult professional life, not to be too hoity-toity about yeah. it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those over-educated folks of Generation X, you know, so I have a master's degree. I've, I've got a lot of philosophy. I've got a lot of history. I've got a lot of literature and whatnot. And, um, you know, so, so now I guess maybe because I'm getting old, I'm, I'm aging a bit. But this has been a personal joke of mine for a good 10, 15 years. I first started this project directly about 10 or 12 years ago. Wow. And, uh, but it occurred to me, and, and, you know, again, this is just funny to me, so I don't mind if you guys don't find it funny. Almost nobody does, but I'd be, I'd be watching a Yankees game. And, you know, they'd be talking about here's Mariano Rivera on the mound, right? He's the greatest left handed relief pitcher in the postseason of all time. We're getting pretty specific and, here. <laughs> yeah, and I sit there and I go, well, I don't know. You know, in the Roman Empire, they had some great, you know, fastballers back then. <laughs> you, you know, it's just like, you, you know like, like, for example, okay, let me give you a more immediate example. Just today, I'm looking at this, I'm noodling around on the CFL website, right? I see this piece called uh, TSN to Air Slate of Classic CFL Games. Great, great. They've been doing this on ESPN lately. You know, I've been seeing, like, bird versus magic games, stuff like right. this, right? Okay, I scrolled down the list. The oldest game is like 2007. You know, it's like I was expecting to see, you know, some Angelo Bosca games. You know, I want to yeah. see the Hog Bowl. I want to see the Ice Bowl. So, so 2007 passes for classic now, all-time great. And, I mean, you know, on, on the one hand – one of the things that does, one of the things is hyperbole, this clickbait mentality, this I got to be the first to tweet this mentality does is it obfuscates the really great moments, right? Like 13th man. I know okay, what you're you saying. Might not agree, you might not agree, Travis. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us do. Say, <laughs> yeah. Classic, right? That's a classic. That's it is. Instant classic right but through all the noise when every year you got to call it a classic or like henry burris um you know the the comeback against calgary in the gray cup that's a classic all-time game yeah uh, even argonauts upsetting calgary that's one of the all-time upsets in gray cup history right but since we say it every year since we say it about every game it loses its meaning and I just wanted to go back and really, like, redefine all-time great athlete, you know. We're going back on this show. We, we've already done a show about uh, gladiators. Um, wow. I'm trying to get one in the can about, yeah, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the CFL guys are interested in that particular one for some reason. <laughs> uh, we, uh, I'm trying to get one done about uh, sumo wrestling. Nice. Uh, because uh, just recently there comes a, a guy who's, you know, being called the GOAT. But with something like sumo, you can make that claim a lot more easily because, A, they don't throw it around like we do in North America, that term, right? And, B, because they have a historical record going back something like 600 years. Wow. Yeah. You know, we can say, here are the stats. And and they've kept stats. You know, they have the weights. They have win loss. They have you know. There's only like two to four tournaments a year, right? National, right. So and and this is going back to again. This is going back to the samurai period of history, right? So, and and that's another part of it too is that we've played games forever. You know, they were playing in human society. We we tend to think about the Olympics and, and the gladiator games and the chariot racing and whatnot. But, you know, the Aztecs were playing ball like, you know, in year 1000, you know, yeah, over there. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had jousting games in the medieval period. I mean, you know, just because the 20th, 21st century is the golden age of sports. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that there weren't great sports in other time periods. And so we talk about stuff like that. Now, 
Um, we've got a few episodes in the can. You know, of course, we, we do a lot of, like I say, the 20th, 21st century is really the golden age of sports, uh, really, worldwide. Um, we play now more sports, and there's more emphasis on sports in the world than ever before, I think, organized sports, that is. And uh, so we've already got one in the can about Jim Thorpe. That was the first episode, um, the class for anybody who knows sports history. Of course, the classic 20th century athlete, um, famous for winning the pentathlon and the decathlon at the same Olympic Games, wow. uh, was also a professional baseball player and a professional football player slash commissioner in the very, oh, wow. first, <laughs> yeah, in the very first year of the NFL, uh, 1920. So, and I was kind of, I was actually kind of heartbroken. I don't know if anybody out there saw that, but uh, the NFL did uh, the 100 greatest of for 100 years. They had yeah. a whole mini series about that. And uh, Jim Thorpe did not make that team. And I can't tell you how heartbroken and how disappointed I was. Everybody was really like about Terrell Owens being <laughs> being omitted. And I'm talking about this guy from 1920. You know, so. <laughs> I was really heartbroken about that because really Jim Thorpe is in our midst. I mean, I can't say in our lifetime, but, but within, you know, record, right? Uh, truly one of the goats. And, and we forget. We forget. We forget. Uh, I'm really sad that history uh, goes by the wayside. And, of course, I talked about the Gladiator episode. And, of course, episode three was uh, on the CFL's own Angelo Mosca. And um, we have his guest uh, star on those episodes, a guy called... Um, Travis Curra? <laughs> you know Does what? Like, uh, you, you use the term star loosely. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I I had to reread before I came on that episode the, the Angelo Mosca book, Tell It to My Face. And it was so fun to revisit that. And he played in some, I can't, it was 10 or 11 Grey Cups. And I, I don't know if that will ever happen again. So you're right. When, when people, they use the term and they'll almost use it for, I almost want to say, you brought up Mariano Rivera. They'll use it for a guy like Aaron Judge, who has only been in the league for a few years. So I get what you're saying. But Angelo Mosca, that cannot be overused. He truly is one of the goats. And that was so fun to revisit. Yeah, he, uh, well, of course, you know, he made the TSN, what was it, top 50 of all time? Yeah. Uh, did that uh, in the early 2000s. And then, you know, he is, of course, in the Canadian Hall of Fame. Of course, he's the second Hamilton Tiger Cat ever to have his number retired. And uh, But, you know, one of the great things about doing this kind of thing is you learn about the history. Um, you, you learn about the – because one of the missions of Truly the Goats will also to be discussed the culture surrounding these games. I mean, when you hear the Gladiator episode, you'll know about the lifestyle of the Gladiator. Right. <laughs> you'll learn about that. And it's not quite what you think. You would be surprised. There, I, I was very surprised. And, and that was the thing about Angelo is not only, you know, is he so consistently in these Grey Cup games, um, you know, he's in some of the weird ones. You know, yeah, he's, he's he is. The great ones. Uh, and of course, for Angelo, the thing that really got me and the thing that convinced my producer, because he was kind of on the fence about that particular episode, was that, you know, thanks to his wrestling career, I mean, this guy goes down as, in my opinion, the greatest heel of all time. He was an innovator. Because he was. He was. Yeah, he was the. He was the guy who had haters before we used that term. Yeah. Haters, right? <laughs> In two sports. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and he he kind of used the wrestling career to better his football career, and I think vice versa. Um, and it was it was such a, a fascinating look back at him. And I think the idea of the podcast overall is pretty fascinating. I, I feel like if you had the budget, you would. Go Go and look for ancient, you know, hieroglyphics and look at these sports <laughs> <laughs> way – you're like the Indiana Jones of sports podcasts or something. Yeah, it belongs <laughs> in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just watched Indiana Jones nice. three last – I just watched that. Yeah, it's, a, it's on the air. Uh, yeah, because I'm also doing movie podcasts too, right? So I, I, I'm up to date on that. The Rouge, White, and Blue is kind of in hibernation because of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, episode four and maybe 4B uh, of the Truly the Goats will be out fairly soon. We're on most uh 
podcast aggregators, not all of them, but most of them, most of the major ones. And uh, episode four is about Babe Didrikson. Do you know Babe Didrikson, you guys? I got to be honest, no. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. Quite possibly the greatest female athlete of all time. Okay. Quite possibly. And uh, played in played in the 20th century. And one of the interesting things, I'll give you a little spoiler here. One of the interesting things I learned in this is until about the 2000s, really the golden age for women's sports is about the 30s and 40s. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, this is also in addition to the golfing opportunities and the right. AAU opportunities which the NCAA swamped, and plus women got to go to college yeah. after World War II. You also had, you know, the All-American Professional Girls Baseball League and uh, women's pro basketball leagues and lots of barnstorming teams and stuff like that. So it was actually until, like, a good for a good 60, 70 years, women did not have the same opportunities in sports as they did in Babe Didrikson's time. So it's an interesting story. Um, the nice thing about that one is uh, her autobiography is public domain. So we oh. paid, a voiceover, paid a voiceover actress to enact parts of her autobiography as part of the podcast. Um, that one's a nice one. That one's a nice one. And it's a lot of work, so I'm still plowing through it. <laughs> Look for Truly the Goats and all major podcast platforms. Uh, Oz, you gave me a heads up on this. Ty has no idea. You said you had oh, no. a, a question you've been waiting to ask okay. him for a long yeah. time. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> Got a question for you. Got a question. Yeah. Okay. So, of course, last season, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks had the season from hell. You know, after was, being yeah. one of the all-time most successful CFL franchises, right? Uh, well, the- you know, Henry Burris turned them around and then left, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. So now I think we can agree that they're kind of, again, back to the second year of their franchise. And so I was wondering if you're willing to put anything on the line <laughs> against them winning the Great Cup this season. You want me to bet against Nick Arbuckle winning a Grey Cup? I'll take that bet all day. I'll take it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Ooh, really? Okay, we're gonna have to bring. He got he got he got sacked by a pylon. (laughs) He sounds pretty confident. Like an actual pylon. I know. <laughs> so are you are you putting a Brazilian on the line right now, April sixteenth, twenty twenty? In re- the last place on earth I want to get this done is Regina. Like Winnipeg is bad enough. <laughs> I get but it. I, I get also it. I also feel like another one way bet is a terrible decision. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, that's I, true. <laughs> I I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Ty. I don't. I, as I've just been saying for twenty minutes, I don't like throwing this around, but that was one of the all time great payouts. On that, that is that is a goat <laughs> moment. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, I'll have my own episode. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> Oz, thanks so much for joining us on the show. And uh, everybody go check out Truly the Goats. Thanks, Oz. Hey, thanks very much. And thanks for keeping your podcast running during these difficult times. You guys are great. Thanks to Oz Davis and Justin Renfro for joining the show today. It's Travis Curra, Brazilian Tie, the Two and Out podcast, a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. That's it for this week. We keep finding things to fill up a podcast, and we are going to have uh, some content to fill the next show as well because the CFL draft is a few weeks away, and we will have a draft preview show with John Hodge of Three Down Nation to get you ready for that. Brazilian tie. take care of yourself in isolation. You told me before the show that uh, you moved the mattress from your spare room into the living room. I- I'm pretty yes. sure your corn beard <laughs> and hair. If you want to call it that. You know how they say redheads are like a recessive gene, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, my hair is blonde, but my beard is not. <laughs> You're just learning this. Well, I had never grown it out this long. Like, there was patches where it was red, right. but I mean, it's 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 uh, not ideal. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take care of yourself and you as well. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.